here's the key. You, it's never too soon to prepare to plan for hiring, even if it's not on the horizon yet. And, and it's always good to go about and say, okay, who am I? What am I all about? What do I love? What do I not love? <laughs> you know. Welcome to the Audience Converter Podcast, the podcast for converting your audience from strangers to loyal fans. We dive deep and discuss how entrepreneurs, consultants, and coaches can level up their business to help more people in the world. Now here's your host, the creator of the Audience Conversion Method, Kimberly Whitecamp. Do you find yourself asking questions like, how do I tell if my marketing idea is good? Where should I really spend my time? I'm on a mission to change that. Let's turn how do I know if into I know this works and here's how I'm going to do it. Get your marketing done at Audience Conversion Live happening June 29th through July 1. In this three-day live workshop style event, you are going to create your landing page gift, opt-in copy, and more. And finally, shutter the questions on how do I turn my marketing into profit? Figure out how to convert your audience from strangers into clients and a plan for profit from the beginning when you create your marketing at Audience Conversion Live. Check it out at theaudienceconverter.com slash live. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Audience Converter Podcast for Community Leaders, where we are talking about the business side of building a community that can grow your business, grow your impact, and of course, help more people. I'm Kimberly Whitecamp, your host, conversion copywriter, and marketing strategist. And today I am so excited about the topic we're talking about. It is about how to multiply yourself, essentially, and figuring out the process for making sure that when you do send work to other people to help you run your business, that it goes the right way. And of course, I've got a fantastic person to help me dive into this topic. We're talking with Jamie J. He is the founder and managing director of Bottleneck Distant Assistance. He has been sourcing DAs from the Philippines since 2006, so he has a few days of experience behind him. BNDA is a team of remote-based professionals dedicated to assisting ambitious leaders to identify, hire, and cultivate remote team members. They support entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, C-level executives, basically the entire bunch of uh, names and titles you can think of. They have a group of people who can help. As the need for distant assistance continues to rise, Jamie enjoys sharing his industry expertise with a service dedicated to growth systems, processes, and of course, company culture development, which is what I'm really excited to have Jamie on the show today. So Jamie, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Thanks so much, Kimberly. I'm excited to be here. Appreciate you. Excited to have you. You know, I just love talking to people who have figured out a way to help those of us who started with like just us figure out how to grow without like going nuts, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, definitely uh, hiring distant assistants is a huge part of that process, no matter where they are, right? Um, I've recently expanded into that area and it's just so much easier. It, it's taken such a load off of my plate to have other people who can do some of the some of the tasks that take up too much of my time or that I just don't like doing right. There's so many different things that can really help us maintain our energy and maintain being 100% present with our clients uh, by, by exploring the possibilities of distant assistance. So first, I would love to hear, how did you get started with this idea? 
Oh, well, it was in 2006, I was asked to be a partner in an ad agency. And the gentleman that I was working with, we, we started up, um, he ran a real estate brokerage and I had kind of the marketing and tech background. So he and I got together and then I thought, man, how are we going to staff this thing? And he said, well, he was from the Philippines. He goes, I know just who to contact. So he called him up. And I didn't know how this was going to happen because this was back before Zoom and before all that stuff, right? It was uh, the internet was there, but it was uh, still in its infancy stages at that point. So I didn't know how it would work. And it turned out fabulous. It turned out unbelievable. The Filipino culture is amazing. Their talent levels through the roof. And what made it really interesting was that it was it was more affordable than any alternatives that we found. So it was really, really, really exciting to work with some amazing people across the globe. And uh, it really helped us helped us grow. And it's just kind of took it from there and ran with it. Always great to hear origin stories. And, you know, you said a couple of things, right? Number one was, hey, I know somebody, right? That's always a powerful connection tool is when somebody knows somebody who knows how to do something that you don't know how to do, right? Yeah. And also the part I really liked was that you talked about the culture, right? And even if you're a solopreneur, even if you're just hiring contractors, I think it's important to keep culture in mind because you want to be creating a great experience for everybody, for yourself, for your clients, and for anyone on your team, whether they are full-time or not. That is so true. And I uh, I, I think it's more important even if you are a solopreneur and you don't, don't have any W-2 or 1099 employees, you're still working with vendors. You're still um, reaching out to clients. You're still doing a lot of things with a lot of other people. And unless you understand what your vision, your mission is, your core values, your tone, your voice, what is your company philosophy, if you don't really understand what that message is, then you, you're probably going to have an underperforming culture. And what I mean by that is uh, it's a lack of positive culture and, and it, it ends up, uh, you know, being relatively unattractive. So whether or not you have staff or a team um, that you're working with, there's still culture. It's a basic, uh, it's a huge thing that you need to be able to work with people that share similar belief systems that, than you do. And, and I'm sure anybody listening to this that's ever worked with a bad client before never wants to work with another client like that again. But those good clients, boy, they wish they could clone those good clients. Well, that has something to do with culture and realizing what your tone, your voice, what your core values are, and, and knowing that whoever it is that you really enjoyed working with, probably aligned with several of the of the similar uh, you know main core beliefs that you have that is such a key part that i think a lot of us kind of overlook right a lot of people i work with they kind of come from the place of well i can help everybody so we work on narrowing that down right we work on uh, on really defining who your ideal audience is and part of that process is who your ideal audience isn't and how you don't want to interact with people And it's something a lot of us are kind of like, oh, well, if they come in and they fit in like these two boxes that are really broad, like they're a coach and they have an audience, then of course I want to work with them. But the idea is that the reason why, as you said, right, that those aren't your ideal clients necessarily is because something doesn't align. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means that something doesn't align with the way you work and the way they work and the way that they're showing up in the world that maybe you want to narrow that down a little bit. 
So I love that idea and that approach of kind of really defining your core values, really defining your vision and your mission before trying to kind of grow your team and, you know, keeping that in mind when interacting with pretty much anyone that interacts with you as a part of business. Yes, exactly. You, you just nailed it. Um, here's the key. You, it's never too soon to prepare to plan for hiring, even if it's not on the horizon yet. And it's always good to go about and say, okay, who am I? What am I all about? What do I love? What do I not love? <laughs> you know, figure all of that out. What do I really want to want to uh, obtain in this life? And it, as much and as woo woo as that sounds, it's extremely important. But one thing I want to point out there is that when you have a vision, when you're first starting out, or maybe you don't have a team yet, but you're growing in business and you're kind of interested in going that way so that you can scale even more, it's okay to change your vision. Uh, we've changed our vision several times. It's okay to change what that mission is uh, because you're going, as you grow, you're going to learn new things that you never even considered before. It was never even on your radar. So embrace those changes that you want to adopt and move forward, make the changes and, and, and have fun with it. But if you don't have any of that getting started, it's going to be really hard to navigate those entrepreneurial waters. So, so, so true. I mean, you know, you just listed off a ton of great questions for everyone to kind of contemplate. And it's one of those things where, you know, we're like, eh, I'm doing business because I'm doing business. That's why I'm doing business. And, you know, you want to kind of get down into what you're doing and why you're doing it. But ultimately, I think so many people I've worked with, especially in the coaching and, you know, online expert world, their big concern is, well, I don't want to tie myself down to one particular area because what happens if I change my mind? And the answer is that's okay. And you continue forward with the change in mind, right? Yeah. So I, I'm curious. So if, if someone was to say that to you, like, I don't want to tie myself in one, in one area, what would you say to that person? So what I usually tell people if they are like, yeah, you know, I don't really want to tie myself down to that one particular section. Usually the way they phrase it is I'm afraid of excluding people right? They, they, they look at it as a negative, as I don't want to niche down that far because I'll be excluding people. And I reframe it as you're not excluding anybody. What you're doing is you are calling out and connecting with the exact right person who you can best serve. And what usually happens is you also kind of pull in people who are slightly to the side of that. So if you have like, you know, uh, we're, we're looking at like a target, right? Uh, for, for darts. Okay. At the very, very center is your ideal people, but the next two or three rings, what you're saying and how you say it and how you convey it and the, and the way you interact with people, if they're close to that target, but not exact, they're still going to be drawn in. So it's more about drawing in the right people as opposed to excluding certain people. And I just like to, to help people kind of make that reframe of if you try and please everyone, you please no one. So why don't you try and please the people that you can best serve and best help? And then you're just going to naturally bring in the people who are on the sides of that too. I love that. That's pretty cool. And I think one of the biggest things that people think about too, when they're first starting out is they, they want to be something for everybody. And in the very, very beginning, it's almost like fake it till you make it. Can you do this? Sure. And then you get off the phone. You're like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? Well, 
I think it's really important for people to kind of explore the various niches in the very beginning to find out, you know, what, are the, what it, it, it could be, well, I think this would be a really good niche here. I think that would be fun, but maybe you don't like it. So I think it's really cool and a great opportunity for people to explore different uh, niches, different groups, different targets, different types of people to figure out kind of where you want to land. And that's all poor part of the uh, explorative phase, you know, and I just think it's a lot of fun to figure all that stuff out. But keep in mind that the ultimate goal would be to niche down as far as humanly possible. And then when you think you're niche down enough, niche down again. Such good advice. When you think you're far enough, go further. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's true, right? You don't have to be insanely narrow when you start, but it's always easier to kind of choose a narrow, even if you switch later. Right. Uh, if yep. I talk with people 100%. and they're like, I serve women over 40 step into their power. And I say, OK, I'm pretty sure I have heard that phrase from about 50 different people. And I still don't know what it means. <laughs> and the people you're talking to don't know what it means either. So, you know, try and narrow it down just a little bit. So, I mean, at the beginning, right, some people are like, well, I, I can serve everybody who wants to X, Y, Z. And I say, OK, can you narrow that down? Older, younger male, female, uh, parents, not parents. Oh, well, yeah, I guess I could. And then it kind of starts, uh, you know, moving, moving the thought process along, uh, kind of sparking interest being like, oh, well, I guess I, yeah, that is a better one. That is a better one. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's all part of that explorative process. It's very much an exploration. You know, when I got started in copywriting, I knew exactly what industry I wanted to serve. I knew exactly what industry I wanted to serve, but there were tons of different projects that were potentials. So, you know, if somebody came to me and they said, hey, do you do this? The answer was yes, of course. I was a part of a, a, a lifetime training program. So if I didn't know how to do something, I would quickly go figure that out uh, because there was a training program for it. And from that process, I realized what I loved doing and what I hated doing. And then uh, I quickly realized, well, not quickly, after a couple of years, realized I didn't want to start that industry anymore, but I knew exactly what projects I wanted to focus on and who I wanted to focus on them with. So you know, change is okay. Change is great. You know, this, this podcast is only about a year old. This business is about a year old. And, uh, it came from the four and a half years before that though. And that's not something you're going to discount. So I think it's really great for people to realize that, uh, just because you choose something now doesn't mean it's your forever choice. It's your right now choice. I love it. I love it. Yep. So tell me a little bit, Okay, right. You uh, you connected with these people in the Philippines. You realized the the great you know uh, professional capacity they had to bring. So if I'm somebody who's like, you know what, I'm tired of doing it all myself. I'm a solopreneur. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, you 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 serve the entire alphabet of professional titles. Uh, but if I'm a solopreneur, right, most of the coaches and and people out there listening are, or they have really small groups. What should I do? Like, what do I need to have in place before deciding I'm going to outsource something? One of my, I thank you for asking this question because I absolutely, this, this question is why I'm in business actually. Um, one of the questions, there's probably three or four really big ones and you nailed this. But I think one of the biggest things you need to do is to, like I said earlier, know what your vision is, your mission, and not only know it, but write it down and believe in it. Right. So the last part is the, probably the most challenging part. It doesn't need to sound pretty. It needs to mean something to you. 
And if it means something to you, it's going to resonate with the people that share a similar belief system that you have, and which is the very, very foundation to grow your business. But I would say next to that, probably most important, my one of my favorite sayings is do something as if it's the last time you're ever going to do it. And what that means is document, 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 document everything. Like we, we, if, if I'm going to log into my a software that I have, uh, HubSpot or something like that, I go to a certain area on my computer with the mouse button and I click on it. And then when I log in, I put my username and password and I click on that. And then if I'm going to go look for a meeting link or something, I click on there and I go there and I do all of this. Well, if I hired an assistant at some time and I said, okay, I would need you to log into HubSpot for me and, 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 you know, book a meeting for me, they're going to be like, okay, what do I do? And then I'm going to have to sit there and say, okay, when you log in, go to the upper right hand and click, click, click login. Here's my username and password. Do it there. And then you're going to go into the services icon. You see that little drop down. Then you're going to, right? And now I'm wasting time. So what I mean by do something as if it's the last time you're ever going to do it is I document it. Every time I click the mouse button, I write a step down. And I put a little screenshot of what that step looks like because we're always online. I've done this for the Zoom calls that we do, for podcasts that we do, all of that stuff. It's all systems, processes, and workflows. And what I found is that's going to alleviate two future challenges. Many people come to us and they say, by the time they're ready to hire somebody, they're pretty dang busy. They're already in the weeds. The last thing they want to do is spend time training that should be the first thing they do. But mm. with the systems and processes in place, these workflows, the two things that it does, number one, it gives you the confidence that someone else can come in and complete a task up to your level of expectation. Why? Because you're the one that did the process. <laughs> you, that's what you do. And you want them to do something that's your expectation level is really high. If they're doing this to where they can just follow along and click the mouse button every step of the way, you know it's going to be done. The second part of that is it reduces the amount of time for the for the training, for the learning curve. Mm -hmm. Those two things are huge when it comes to preparing your business to scale. This is before even the thought of hiring somebody comes into mind. This is something that you should be that you should start doing, like that saying, you know you should have planted a tree 10 years ago, but the next best day is today. Like that's what you should be doing. Like building those systems and processes in your business. Uh, I, I, I love it. You start on something small, do an email, you know, how do you check your emails? How do you book on a calendar? How do you manage your calendar? Things like that. And pretty soon you'll have built up a library of, of processes that we call workflow manuals that you're going to be able to easily scale. And the other cool part about that is, now you kind of know who to look for and what tasks that don't give you energy that you can delegate to someone else who really gets energy out of it. Absolutely. You know, I um, I joined a, a community of copywriters a couple of years ago and um, the the founder, her, her whole thing was, you know, she used to never have systems. She never had systems until, you know, her her partner became a part of the business and like said, hey, you need systems. And so as a gift one quarter, she sent out a book called Work the System. And that's that whole process, right? It was somebody kind of detailing exactly how they processed and managed themselves out of needing to be involved for like 90% of the business. And 
that was the first part, right? The first part was document everything as if you were going to hand it off to somebody. So I step-by-step started plotting all of this stuff out. And when I was ready to hire somebody, it was so great. I was like, here's the document. Fantastic. I'm done. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's the reason why, right? I think that's instrumental in anybody that's planning on growing their business. You got to document, document, document. You do. You do need to document, document, document. And, uh, you know, so that's a a really great thing to know, right? Before hiring somebody is that there is going to be training of some sort involved. So why not make it easy on yourself and just start documenting now so that when you're ready, it's not another thing you have to add onto your plate, right? Right. Exactly. And be prepared because when you first hire somebody, if you don't spend the time with them to work with them, uh, you're shooting yourself in the foot, so to speak, because they're not getting to know you. They're not getting to know your tone. They're not getting to know what is expected of them. They're missing, they're missing out on all of these things. And so when you first start, uh, bring somebody on board, plan on spending a really good amount of time with this person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a, it's a key, right? You know, I, I, I know so many people who are like, I'm so busy. I have no time, blah, 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 but I don't have time to train anybody either. So you can cut down that process, right, by by having your stuff onboarded and by having your processes created. But you are bringing somebody on to be a part of your team, to be a part of the experience that you give to clients, to vendors, to your community at large. So you want to make sure that they're a part of that community feeling as well. So you have to spend some time and, and set that time aside because it's only going to help you in the long run, right? You know, a couple hours now, it's going to make such a huge impact in the future. Yes, exactly. You nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I try. I try. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about, you know, we're here all about building a community, the importance of community. So tell me how you've built your community. Where do you meet your audience in community? You know, um, so that's a really good question. I've kind of built my audience over time several different ways. Uh, one of, I think, the most impactful things I ever did was join a mastermind group. And that was, my wife tells me all the time, that was one of the best decisions I ever made. And she's right, because it was an opportunity for me to meet so many people. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for the mastermind, there would be no bottleneck. So I cannot uh, recommend um, community development enough. I mean, it's just absolutely essential it's essential if you're going to be running a business um, to have, develop a community. And, and if, if you don't have a community to start, uh, reach out and find different mastermind groups or, you know, different meetups or things like that. And just start going and, you know, meeting people and, and, and really learning about people, finding out, you know, their personal uh, challenges, their personal successes. What do they do? What do they like to have fun with? And time is going to come. The next six months is going to come, right? Why not spend that time and just know that you got to invest some time into these relationships and this community development. And that's how you do it. I think in my opinion, it's just super, it's just getting ready to know you're not going to see, find this community overnight. It's very time intensive, but all the while um, is making you a better person. Uh, You're meeting more, more awesome people and you're kind of figuring out who you kind of like to hang out with and surround yourself with. So, so true. I mean, 
when we do it alone, we kind of close ourselves off, not only to uh, a bunch of potential, but also to the support that we didn't even know we needed, right? I had this idea in my head when I first started in business that if I didn't do it all myself, then it didn't count for some strange reason. Um, and as soon as I like joined a mastermind like you did or joined a coaching community, I started seeing changes. I started seeing improvements because I realized I could get support around so many different things. And when we talk about building a community, it's not just about you building a community for the people who are wanting to learn about what you do. It's also about you being a part of a larger community because as entrepreneurs, as solopreneurs, you know, we are a part of a community and we can choose to stand alone on the sides or we can choose to interact and be a part of it. And then that's just a lot more powerful, I feel. You know, hundred <laughs> percent. Yes, Ditto. absolutely. I love that answer. So <laughs> tell me a little bit, you know, what are some of your struggles uh, when it comes to building your community or converting your community? I know you said it's going to take time and it's an investment, uh, either time and money for, for building the community around what you do. But what are some of the things that you're still kind of navigating for yourself? Yeah, I, well, I think I think it's time and money, obviously, like you said, but I think some of the some of the tough things is just having the energy to stay in the game and stay the course is probably one of the biggest challenges. Um, There's a lot of people that experience burnout after a certain amount of time. And, you know, that can be, it's a, it's a very real challenge today, especially with the onset of COVID and people staying, you know, at their house and, and, you know, not being able to, there's a lot of challenges um, mentally and that's probably one of my biggest challenges is, is continuing to put one step in front of the other or one foot in front of the other. It's, it's probably the number one challenge that I see happen with most people. And especially after doing something for over a decade, you know, it's really challenging to, to keep the fire sometimes. But that being said, you also have the experience of meeting so many more people, building such a bigger community, such a bigger community. And keeping the fire ignited, I think is learning what keeps your interest. Um, And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have an amazing team, an amazing group of friends, an amazing community that's supportive of one another, that kind of helps keep the fire going. But there will be a couple rough patches in there that's like, oh my gosh, I really have to go do this thing. And then after you're done, you're like, man, why did I want to you know, that was kind of fun. Why was I getting down on myself? So I, I found that just kind of pushing through a couple of those challenges and keeping it going and, and just believing. That's why I said believe earlier, believing in your vision. If you don't believe in your vision, um, it's going to be really challenging for you to um, have that situational awareness or that mindful awareness, I should say, for community development. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's something a lot of us have experienced but we don't want to like say it because then we're going to hear from all those people who are like, see, that's why you shouldn't work for yourself or uh, <laughs> see, uh, this is why you should work for a boss, right? You know, yeah. if you claim to, to not like going to work one day, they're like, oh, I thought you said, you know, if you, if you like what you do, you never go to work a day in your life or whatever the phrase is. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's true, right? All of us hit a stopping point at some point. And especially with, as you said, not being able to leave our houses. Um, I miss travel. (laughs) I I used to travel a lot. I lived abroad for four years, got to travel every weekend. So this whole I'm staying in my house and literally not seeing anybody else, but people who live in my house is is a bit much sometimes. 
Uh, but you know, that's also where community comes into play. Cause even if you're going to see each other through a zoom screen, it's another point of connection and another spark of inspiration, which is just fantastic. So we've talked a lot about, you know, the fundamentals you need in place, uh, the, the stopping points before you can actually hire somebody, the process for hiring somebody and outsourcing. What would you say is like that first step somebody needs to take right now? I'd say the first step you need to take right now is make sure that you have a system or um, it, at the very at the very least, identify the tasks that you uh, would like to have delegated. And you can do that by filling out a, um, what we call as a delegation roadmap. On the delegation roadmap, what it is, you list down every single thing you do in a given day. Like this is something you need to take some time on. Take the weekend if, uh, you know, and let your, 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 your family know, uh, your roommates know, whoever's there, let them know that, Hey, you know what, Saturday morning, I need about an hour, maybe two hours of just some downtime. So, you know, if, if, if you have a dog that's interrupting you or a cat or something like that, maybe talk to your friend or your spouse or whatever and say, can you please take the, the dog or the kids for a walk or something like that? I just really need that hour to just do a brain dump. Once you set that up and don't do it the day before or the day of plan this out, like plan it a week or so out in advance. So everybody's ready for it. Cause uh, they can re- believe me, if you plan it out and tell everybody else that you want to do something like this, uh, they're going to be much more respectful of this, of this opportunity you're going to be creating. Then what you do is you write down every single task you do in a given day. And I mean, everything like when do you take the trash out? Do you, you know, when do you turn the computer on? What do you have to do? Like all of those tasks. And then you assign two values to them. Number one, is this something you must do? Or is this something you can delegate to someone else who can do it 75% as, as good as you or better? Number two, is this something that gives you energy or does it completely drain you of energy? And then what you'll find is now you can create a subset task list of everything that you can delegate and that does not give you energy. And what you'll find is all of these tasks that you can easily delegate to someone else, but now you have to identify what role they're in because you have to keep in mind, you can't delegate every single task to a single person because they may not have the experience of building a website, but they're really good at answering the phones or they're really good at managing your calendar or they're really good at bookkeeping, um, but they're not good at graphic design. So you kind of place these tasks into different roles. And then you identify where the most pain is on those. Put a priority in one, two, and three. Priority one, those are the ones that you wish you could have off your desk like right now, this month. Priority two, those are some tasks you can push off for 30 to 60 days. And priority three, those are something you can push off for 60 or 90 days. These are the pressing ones. As soon as you get the priority one tasks down and you put them into a role, that's going to give you a much better idea of who you need to hire or what tasks you need to outsource um, to make your life any better. Does that help? That is fantastic. What you have just heard is a step-by-step-by-step-by-step process, uh, which makes sense from the processes guy, right? Of how to get started with outsourcing your work. And I think two really important things I just want to highlight real fast. Number one is the energy giving or the energy taking, right? Just because it's a task doesn't mean, um, I really like that idea of kind of categorizing it as something, oh yeah, this is fun. This is fine. Or is this something that really drains you, right? It's something you keep putting off because you just don't like doing it, or it just takes so much effort or takes so much mental energy. So it 
drains your energy from other tasks you could be doing that are better serving your community. And number two, of course, is the priorities, right? So many of us were like, can I just hand it all off already? Can it be done? But you have to choose, right? What needs to happen in the next 30 days? What needs to happen in the next 60 days? So that ranking system, right? Does it take or give you energy? And then the ranking system for figuring out what to hand off first. Fantastic and really great stuff. So Jamie, I want to say thank you so much for being here, for giving us your wisdom today. If people want to learn more about you and Bottleneck, uh, where can they find you? Well, they have to listen to this episode first. Absolutely. That's how they'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you could just go and search for bottleneck.online uh, or go to that web address, bottleneck.online. Or you can you can just put in uh, Google Jamie J, and I think we pretty much show up there. Uh, but yeah, I would highly encourage anyone that's interested in hiring somebody remote, like uh, we call them distant assistants. If you're interested in that, look around, really do some research, and check out different companies. Find out what what may what may work for you, because there's a lot of companies out there that are amazing that offer different services. They offer not different services necessarily, but maybe their makeup is different. And it's it's more, you know, more for you than say what we might be. Not to throw anybody away from coming to visit us because we love having more more new clients all the time, but but I really want anybody looking for somebody to be truly intentional about their search, do their homework, and really get kind of educated through the process. Uh, one of the things that we really like doing here is taking those clients on that 90-day journey with them, holding their hand, helping them uh, negotiate this hiring process. Did you know in the United States, it costs $4,129 to hire somebody, and it could cost you up to nine months salary to fire somebody. So that's why we're so dedicated to helping out our clients on the front end and make sure that they really hire intelligently. So we hold their hand through that entire process. And at the end of 90 days, we have our distant assistant, our DA, actually write a workflow manual for our client and give it to them as an asset. So that can do two things. Number one, it lets them know if they ever wanna scale, now they have all the documentation needed. Number two, it's a nice little uh, tip for your company. You can have a much higher valuation because now if someone ever wants to buy or you wanna exit that company, you have everything that you've done written out step-by-step step, and that alleviates you from being the, the big cog in the wheel when you go to exit the company. Such great, fantastic advice there. Be sure to check out bottleneck.online. So thank you very much, Jamie, for being here and for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Audience Converter Podcast for community leaders. Until next time, keep calm and plan out your processes. Thanks for listening to the Audience Converter Podcast. For more information and important links about today's show or for access to our website, visit theaudienceconverter.com. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.